Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. Well, good morning, Hillside. It is your friend, Jeb, and I'm so excited that you're here today for our worship experience. Pastor Eric and his family are gone on vacation, but I see one of his good friends with us today, Mr. Paul Nelson. Oh, he's going to be sharing with us all about this last summer missions trip to Kenya. Oh, and all sorts of great testimonies. I hope you're ready for that. That's coming up in just a few minutes. But before that, I've got a couple of announcements to share with you. Well, have you gotten your Operation Christmas Child box yet? Oh, you haven't? Well, you better pick up a box in our foyer. We're going to be sending shoeboxes to all sorts of boys and girls across the world. They're going to be blessed this Christmas. You can decide if you want to send your gift to a boy or to a girl. And then you got to choose an age range. Two to four, five to nine, or ten to fourteen. You pack your boxes, you follow the instructions on the little pamphlet out there in the foyer we got for you. And then you turn in your box no later than Sunday, November 13th. And please make sure to give $10 to cover the shipping cost for that box. And we're going to bless all sorts of boys and girls this Christmas. Are you excited about Operation Christmas Child? Woo! Me too. Me too. Now, have you been filling up your BGMC barrels with all sorts of change? Well, it's time to turn those in next Sunday. Miss Jackie's got a very special service plan. She's going to be preaching. We're turning in our buddy barrels. We're going to do communion together. Family style is what I hear. I don't even know what that means, but Miss Jackie's going to explain it all to us next Sunday. Don't miss the worship experience. It's going to be fantastic. Now, Mr. Mike is leading a special prayer and worship time for us this Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. But coming up starting Wednesday, November 2nd, we've got a six-week Bible study on the Christmas story. Do you know the Christmas story? I hear it's amazing. Pastor Eric is going to cover all the Christmas characters from the Christmas story. It's going to be great. And that starts Wednesday, November 2nd at 6.30 p.m. Plan to make it. It's going to be great. Now, if you want to be a part of the Christmas parade or the living windows downtown in the beginning of December, well, we've got a special meeting you need to be at Sunday, November 6th, right after the worship experience. We're going to cover all the things we need to know about being a part of those two activities. So be there. It's going to be great. Well, I think that's all the time you've got there for Jeb here today. So I'm going to ask Mr. Mike to come back up here to the platform as we transition into our worship time. Are you ready to scoot, shoot, and boogie in worship today? Oh, I know you are. I know you are. Mr. Mike, would you handle any of the other transitions that need to happen at this time? I'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye, Jeb. We're going to pass it off to uh, Robbie. All right. Thank you, Jeb, and thank you, Mike. Will you stand to your feet, and we're going to worship the Lord. We're going to start by reading a scripture verse together in two different versions, though. 
Psalm 77, verses 12 through 15. So let's read the scripture verse together. Anthony, if you'll put that on the screen. I will consider all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With Joseph. Now that's once again, I'll go. I'll ponder all the things you've accomplished and give a long, loving look at your acts. Oh God, your way is holy. No God is great like God. You're the God who makes things happen. You showed everyone what you can do. You pulled your people out of the worst kind of troubles, rescued the children of Jacob and Joseph. Aren't you thankful for a God who pulls us out of the worst kind of trouble? God is great and mighty, and he is holy. Mike, if you start that introduction, we're just going to open this time in prayer. God, I thank you that you are holy and you are mighty. You are such a wonderful, amazing, and awesome God. We declare your majesty. We declare that you are a good God. We worship you. God, no matter what we face this week, no matter what we may be facing right now, we say that you are the God of wonders, that you are holy, and we give you our worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Sing this with me, God of, Lord of all creation. Lord of all creation. Of water, earth, and sky. The heavens are your tabernacle. Glory to the Lord on high. God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy, holy. The universe declares your majesty. You are holy, holy. Lord of heaven and 
with me when I look into your holiness when I gaze into your loveliness when all things that surround become shadows in the light of you when I found the joy shadows in the light of you. Lord, our desire is to worship you. I worship you. this verse quietly and in your own way I just want you to focus your worship on the Lord in your own way that you'd remind us that 
You made us for a purpose. And that's to fulfill your will in each one of our lives. God, I thank you that worship is not just a Sunday morning thing that we do, but it's 24-7 that we can lift our praise and worship to you when we wake up in the morning, when we go to bed at night, when we go to work, when we eat. God, whatever we do, may we live our life in worship to you. We just give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Amen. What a beautiful time of worship this morning as we give God the glory. And uh, many of uh, you don't need any introduction to uh, Paul Nelson. For some of you, he may have been your family doctor. It's Dr. Paul Nelson. He's had a practice here in Ripon for many years. I believe he is officially retired now. Miss Jackie, are you looking for your children? Children, you're dismissed. Go have a great time with Miss Jackie. And Miss Jackie, I hope you caught that, is preaching next Sunday. But here we are today, and we have Paul and Rosemary Nelson with us, and I believe Elias is with us as well. Elias, welcome to Hillside. And I believe uh, Mother Ruth and Tiana are at home. I believe the baby was sick last night. I, I get this information from Grandma and Grandpa. So uh, so without further ado, we'd like to have uh, uh, Paul Nelson come and share with us about their mission to Kenya and about how Hillside has partnered together with them now. And God bless you, Paul, as you come. Thank you for the introduction. I don't have to introduce myself now. <laughs> Check that off. So I, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about why it is that people go on missions before I talk to you about the Kenyan mission. So be patient. We'll get there. First of all, it's good to see a lot of you. Many of you are friends, old and new, and it's really nice when you get older because you meet new friends every day, even the old ones. <laughs> so what you may not know is that I'm a gardener. I love to garden. I have flower gardens around our house, and I have a vegetable garden. Rosemary says I need to cut back on my vegetable gardens because it's been a lot of work. But I enjoy it, even when I come home tired and dirty. So the reason I tell you this is because it has reference into what I'm going to speak on. But my grandparents, I had a pair of grandparents who were farmers and another pair of grandparents who were gardeners. And so it's only natural. I'd get like plants because I just destroy them. Now, I'm not guilty, but there are times that they have to go. And a friend of mine introduced me to a way of cultivating or pruning. And um, I guess I was kind of a, I wouldn't say dumb, but I was not officially certified to prune. And so I had to watch some videos, and I learned how to prune well. And in that process, I want to take off the small suckers that are going to uh, sap the strength from the plant, and I want to prevent them becoming large branches, side branches, that need to go off. 
Pruning is important. And we're going to see how important it is because God tells us that he is the, the master gardener and he prunes us. Let me just pray and then we'll read our scripture. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time we have together to worship you, to look into your word, to grow in you, that we will find purpose and meaning in our lives, not because of us, but because of you. And we pray that you will uh, make the words that I speak be true as I read from your word and the meditations of my heart and all of our hearts be acceptable to you. Lord, you're our strength and redeemer. So I'm going to talk about uh, John 15, 1 through 11. And we're going to see the, uh, that on the screen, and I'll read it out of the ESV version. John 15, 1 through 11 is about relationships and abiding and also about fruitfulness. It reads, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Amen. These words are recorded as Jesus spoke them in Chapter 15, as I said, but if you look back, I'm giving you context now of where these come from. In chapter 13, Jesus was washing the disciples' feet before the Last Supper. And in 14, he promises to give us the Holy Spirit. How that would happen is in this message about the vine, because he is the vine. And that vine is rooted in God the Father. And we, all of you, if you believe in Jesus, are the branches. And you have one job. He took bread, broke it. Later, he, take, he took, this is my body broken for you. And then later, he, take, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Now, next week, you're going to celebrate that as a family together. It's an important thing because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me and 
Paul said in 1 Corinthians, as long as you do this, eat the bread, drink the wine, you remember and celebrate Jesus' death until he comes again, which we look forward to, right? So um, after that, he predicted that he would, there was going to be trouble, and then he went out celebrating. There's a, you know, the Passover is a celebration. So they were singing psalms, and they went out celebrating. And that, where'd they go? Well, they were in the upper room in Jerusalem. So they go out, and they go past the temple, and they go down the Kidron Valley and cross it. And they go up the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane. Why do you suppose he used a vine metaphor? Look around, guys. You see the vines? See the branches? I'm the vine. You're the branches. He's talking to his disciples. He's giving them an earth lesson, a gardening lesson, right in front of their eyes. And I have some thoughts I have about this, and I could preach probably five hours. We aren't doing that. I don't have the stamina nor the Holy Spirit in me for that length of time. I'm going to tell you the five things, and, and maybe you can ask Pastor Eric to come and preach on that sometime uh, himself, because he probably has a good, uh, a good take on this. Number one, God and Jesus are the source of life, the source of love, and the source of the Holy Spirit for our lives. That's what the Word says. Number two, each of us are a branch, and we all need to be connected to the vine. That's Jesus. And that means we have to abide in him. And if we are going to abide in him, we will produce fruit. But if you don't produce fruit, you're cut off, thrown into the fire, burned. You aren't believing because you're not abiding. So it's up to you to search your heart, search your relationship with Jesus, find out what fruit you are to produce. When you do that, and this is number three, you're to bear fruit and you're to demonstrate the power and glory of God. How can we as sinful beings ever produce fruit that is glorifying to God? Only through his power. Only through his spirit. Only through him. And so, we rely upon him. Number four, how is it we abide? Jesus addresses this in this passage. We receive Jesus as believers. And then number two, we abide in his word. His word is his commandments. We are to do his word. We are to be actively obeying. That's hard stuff. Thank goodness that the Holy Spirit empowers us to be obey, number one. And number two, we are to pray. We can't do anything without obedience and prayer. And from that, we will then be able to demonstrate the love of Jesus, giving a fruit of joy in us, 
perfect fruits. I think we don't have to go very far to find the fruits. But let's, let's first of all look at the first one, that's God's love. Now, God loved us even in the Old Testament. They talked, the, the psalmist talked about the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. And that or forever, and it wasn't just in the Old Testament time, it's for us now today. The steadfast love of the Lord is there, and his agape love shown through his son Jesus, given to us through the Holy Spirit. In the book of uh, the letter of Paul wrote to the Romans, he says that while we were yet sinners, God showed his love to us by sending Jesus to die for our sins. That's agape love. That's the steadfast love of our Lord through Jesus to us for our benefit so that we might have life, so that we might have love. If we believe, if we believe we become new beings and we are grafted into the vine, Jesus, we receive from him. This sounds sappy. We receive sap. We receive sap. The sap is the ongoing love, the ongoing life, the ongoing filling of the Spirit that comes through Jesus to us. And our salvation is a demonstration of fruitfulness. It's a demonstration to the world. If we believe, we are grafted, and that salvation is something that the world sees and should glorify him. But the world doesn't glorify him. Believers do. So be fruitful so you're not cut off. Cutting off sounds extreme. You know, it really does. I, I have to tell you that when I first read that cut off, I thought of circumcision. I'm not going to tell you about circumcision. It's another story. But that's extreme. There's no going back. Pruning sounds painful, and it can be. God the Father is the gardener. He knows. He knows what we need. He knows what we don't need. He knows that um, we need to have pruning, get rid of things that are extraneous in our lives, Get there are the things that take away the nutrition from making fruit. Have you been ever pruned a, a, a plant? It's easy, isn't it? You take that little thing and you just snip off that little uh, growth. That's easy. But if you, if you wait, you've got this big side bush, and then you've got to think, well, you know, it's got some flowers on it now. Are those going to produce tomatoes? Yeah, they could produce tomatoes, but they're going to be smaller. And these are over here going to be smaller. So it's hard to do major pruning. It's easier to do it when it's small. Earlier is better, even in our lives, because you don't want to have to cut off a major point, part of our lives. You want God to just nip it in the bud on us. The earlier, the better. 
So we are to show fruit. But what fruit is that again? What fruit is that? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? Many of you have, have memorized that. One another, right? Peace in Jesus Christ. Demonstrate patience and kindness to others. Be gentle and self-controlled. You know, as you get away from that first one, it gets more and more difficult. It's hard to be gentle. It's hard to be self-controlled. But empowered by the Spirit, we can do this. So, when I plant a plant in a garden, I try to weed it, feed it, water it, make sure it's got enough sunshine. And I think you hillside people have been fed well. Not that you're fed. You're fed well. You're fed by the Holy Spirit. You are solidly connected into the vine of Jesus. You have hearts that show your love to others, each other, and around the world. Operation Christmas Child is an uh, example of that. And your love of people in Kenya, the boys at New Life Community Center are all part of that. You gave help and hope to them. So I'm here to tell you thank you. Thank you from the people who went on the t mission trip. Uh, thank you from the people who received your blessings. Thank you for your financial gifts, for allowing us to fellowship with you and raise funds outside during the summer. Thank you for allowing us to have our meetings here and hosting us. Thank you for praying for us as we traveled. This travel is not easy, but thank you for uh, going with us in prayer and letting us be healthy and not have accidents or delays. And thank you for praying for the people who received your gifts. Now, we are going to be able to enjoy a video, and this video was made to demonstrate how the boys there are blessed by mission teams coming. So, go ahead. Now, I'll sit down, and afterwards, I'll even have some questions, allow you to answer questions. Hello, my name is Boniface Nelson, and I lived at the New Life Community Center in Western Kenya for seven years. It is an orphanage for boys from three years old until 18. Our hope in this video is to tell you about the life-changing activities that go on there, not only in the lives of the NLCC boys through the mission team's help, but also in the lives of those who visit there during those mission trips. 
In August 2022, a 10-member medical team went to NLCC, and a few of its members will be telling you about the impact it had on them. In 2011, I was adopted by Dr. Paul and Rosemary Nelson from the orphanage, and they still go back to help the boys. Many of those boys still seem like brothers to me. The teams that go provide free medical and dental care. Yes, I go back too. Since my older Kenyan brother and I are grown, we go back on our own. But though we had missions and sometimes the movies, and I think you will discover that it continues to be for the boys who live there now. Let's start by listening to some of the recent team members about their first impressions of the orphanage. You should know that through the years, money has been raised to improve the orphanage. You will hear about some of those improvements. It was almost like a homecoming. It's almost like that once a year when the family reunion happens and everybody gets together and they were so excited to see you. Arrival at an LCC is unexplainable. Um, to see children running alongside of your bus, waiting for the bus to stop to greet you and waving and just cheering. It is just very emotional. And getting off the bus, <laughs> it's overwhelming joy. They all want to touch and they all want to hug and it's, uh, it's really amazing to see that. It was a very warm welcoming. It was, oh, my heart was happy. <laughs> and just peering out the windows and seeing all these little friends and, and the big white eyes and to just the anticipation of what's going on. I know somebody's here. And when the door opened up, your arms aren't big enough. Your arms just aren't big. Your, your hand, don't have enough hands to give them all hugs. Um, it was, that was just, and they, it never ended for the whole week. One thing that really made me just light up and think, oh, these boys, there's changes for them. There is a ceiling in their dorm rooms. There is a ceiling in their, um, in the, where they eat. There are lights in the ceilings. Um, there's Wi-Fi there. So they have a TV, which I believe they kind of look at things for maybe classroom things. But then there's Wi-Fi for correspondence and things as well. So that was really nice to see that kind of change. When we arrived at the orphanage, I saw that there was a second story on the clinic that wasn't there before. There was brick, there was a structure being formed there. So that was new. There was also, I noticed a, a sink outside like the dining area. So I'm like, whoa, they got water. <laughs> So that, and then I saw little cups going up to the, to the faucet and I'm like, ah, so how, how exciting for that to happen? Because I believe we raised money for that when we went and that was, that was pretty awesome to see. Just for them to have running water, I mean, another blessing that's happened through the mission trips in the years. I mean, they've had wells that's finally producing water. Um, the ladies are not having to run or walk down to the hills to get their, their jugs of water. And uh, 
that was a huge blessing for them, um, just to have water and for the kids to be able to wash up and clean up. It's great. They also, inside the clinic, had a refrigerator. And Sephora showed us that with a big smile on her face. She was happy. She has a refrigerator and a freezer on top. So that, that was nice to see. Throughout the trip, love was evidenced by the NLCC boys and staff to the mission team and vice versa. However, one aspect really touched them, and that was how the big ones took care of the little ones at NLCC. And I did say from get-go, the bigs take care of the littles. And um, I, it may have been Ben, or I, I don't know if he was there from the original time, but. 18 years, he knows exactly what's going on. And souls and they just- Those boys coming back, these little boys in college, and just seeing that they were once these little boys and they have grown up through an LCC. They've gotten through high school. They come home on the weekends from high school and they're there. They are family to those little boys. And um, they go off to college and they're still coming back to NLCC and they are helping out. Um, I saw these high school boys putting the littles in a tub and sudsing them up and getting them a bath for before Saturday night before church. They helped do their wash. That is their family. And it's, it's awesome to see that growth. And that's something that NLCC has provided them is another sense of family. Just the love that you felt from the boys. And I remember sitting in one of the worship services and some children came and sat down next to me that weren't from the orphanage, they were from the village. And pretty soon one grabbed my hand. And then another one put their hand in my hand. There were three little kids that were trying to hold onto my hand. And I just felt that, that love. They were also touched by how the big ones, even those who had graduated from NLCC, came back to help the medical team. The team worked together to give the best care they could. Remember, this is in some of the poorest area of Kenya. People don't have money and never go to a doctor, except when a medical mission team comes. Even a Tylenol or aspirin helps them. We had the boys in the clinic helping us, and they were a big help. And I just kind of just stepped back and I thought, wow. And they were, you know, just so like, why are you here? And really caring about it. They didn't, um, they didn't laugh, they didn't joke. I mean, because some of the stuff that people come in for is pretty personal. But they would, they would share it with, with this high school boy. And then for him to have to tell me why they're here, um, we're here to help. <laughs> the opportunity to work with those older boys, and it was really a blessing that they were there that week. There was no school, so they could come help us with inter interpreting. But also um, giving them the opportunity to learn to take vital signs to have conversations with patients about their chief complaint because I thought that's how you become interested in a profession is that you shadow it and you get to see it. And um, watching them, they were taking vital signs. You know, a couple of the gals had taught them how to do that. 
and I thought, what a great opportunity for them. A significant aspect of the trip was music. The mission team came with some songbooks, yet it wouldn't just be them teaching, but a mutual experience happened, especially during church. I think music, again, is, is a world that anybody, a type of thing that anybody can do. It carries a great message, and it's a universal language when you start singing, so. We brought songbooks with us, and we sang, we sang on the bus, we sang at the orphanage one night, we got our songbooks out, and the older boys came, and we all went where we would eat our meal. They have a love for their Lord and their Savior, and they sing His praises, and they joined in in singing with us. Um, we had sang, Jesus Loves Me. Jesus Loves Me, um, we knew the words in Swahili, and that's because one of our team members, of course, Don, speaks Swahili, and so he had given us the words ahead of time so we could practice them. One of the memorable experiences also was to see Moses teaching Sunday school. So Moses I got to know in 2018 when he had malaria and I was in charge of taking care of him and getting him medication morning and night. He sought me out as soon as I got off the bus. He recognized me and gave me big hugs and um, he is 13 now and he teaches Sunday school to the younger children. And he has the most beautifully worn out Bible I have ever seen a 13-year-old have. So when you look at 13-year-olds' Bibles here in the United States, they're not worn out like that. I'll never forget that Bible. I just, that just made such an impact on me. The team did come to give medical aid to the people of the community, and that happened too. Many people were helped by the doctors and medicine that were given free. They were also helped by Kenyan dentists who came. The team, even those who helped in registration, worked hard, but so did some other people. I'm not a medical person at all, but so they, they need to register the people as they come in. And we started at eight o'clock in the morning, about eight o'clock, it might've been 8.30, 9 o'clock, but there might have been 50 villagers in the tent. And so my job was to register them. And I always had Charles and Ben for a while sitting next to me because the people didn't necessarily speak English, so they had to interpret for them. You know, we didn't know their age, their date of birth, their names, and then their concerns. My second job was to help the dentists. So there was... Um, <laughs> One dentist that was there for three days and one was, um, another one was there for just one day. But I'm telling you, he pulled a lot of teeth. <laughs> he worked really hard. And he too was busy all the time. There was always somebody that needed to be seen. So helping him was really rewarding for me. And then they ran out of instruments because they'd pulled so many teeth. And well, what are we gonna do? 
So he's, he asked for a chemical, which I didn't recognize it by the name that he called it, and we would call it bleach. And I said, well, we didn't bring any of that along. I said, well, I'll go to the pharmacy. And there were two white bottles on the bottom shelf. One of them was just exactly what he had asked for. Oh my gosh, another God moment <laughs> that we could go back and finish extracting the tooth on this man that we were halfway through. And once again, at that moment, I thought, God's here. God's here. He is, he is supplying us what we need to take care of these people. It wasn't all work, though. There were also some special trips that helped the ongoing bonding to continue. On Wednesday, we, the team, went with Sapora and Pastor Joseph, and then Fred also accompanied us to um, go get, we got shirts and pants and belts and underwear and shoes. I, I believe we got uh, Crocs and they call them slippers, but flip-flops for the boys. And I'll tell you what an experience that was. You walked into this little storefront and you go inside and there's like, I don't know, three to four levels of clothes and it's wall to wall. And they have every size you can imagine from small to big. Everybody got something. The eyes were, it, they were happy. On Saturday, we went to Impala Park. We um, take the boys on a trip to, so they can experience some time away. Impala Park, you walk through and there are zebras walking with you. There's baboons walking around, so they're all around you. Um, so it was, it was really interesting. It's, it's amazing to, you have to stop and tell yourself to look around and remind yourself that you're in Africa because you get so caught up with everything else that you forget that you're someplace that many people don't get to see. I said to Lynn a couple of different times, I said, now just stop and think about this. We're in the middle of Kenya. <laughs> We're not in the United States. We're not in Wisconsin anymore. We are in the middle of Kenya. Let's put that into perspective. I think the one night we ran, lights went out and we had two solar lights, not a lot of light, but enough. So all of a sudden we said, well, let's do the hokey pokey. And the adults get together and we grab the little kids and hold their hand and kind of walk through the hokey pokey the first time around and put your right hand in. And we did, we put our whole body in and shake it all about and laugh and giggle. And the young ladies from the kitchen were over here. I said, well, come on in, gals, come on in. Laughed and giggled. I remember to say hi to Mike. You were telling him for me. Say my mission for me. And my name of the pharmacy. Yeah, that's We Kenyans love our food, such as ugali. It is what we ate as we grew up. And there's nothing like a boiled cornmeal. The mission team eats Kenyan food the entire time they are at NLCC. How do they like it? We had three meals a day, so it wasn't that we were hungry. Um, and they were okay meals. They had a lot of starch. We had rice every twice a day in the lunch and the evening meal. 
we had some form of potatoes, and then we had some form of meat. And it might have been chicken and it might have been beef. And then something called ugali, which I thought was mashed potatoes, but it ended up being <laughs> something else. Um, and then they had collard greens and kale, and room temperature water and room temperature Coca-Cola. And so I took a scoop of the ugali and I thought it was mashed potatoes and you kind of shake it off your spoon and I had no idea what it was. But uh, they laughed at me, with me, and showed me how to use my hand to eat ugali and I said, well, once is enough with that. <laughs> <laughs> the former NLCC young men will tell us what they think about the orphanage. This is Moses. Moses is 13 and has lived at New Life Community Center for nine and a half years. All three boys you will hear about have deceased parents. Moses immediately said when asked, here, meaning at NLCC, I can get everything I need, such as clothes, food, and an education. I could have been a school dropout, but I thank God because he gave me a chance to be part of this orphanage. My favorite part is the friends I meet. I have brothers, other orphans here, and I appreciate that I have met friends from the USA. I would like to thank them very much for their commitments to come. He says the mission people do a good thing and I tell them to keep coming. I'd like to take the chance to thank them. May the Lord be with them. This is Peter, who is also called Haggai. I have been at NLC's fees for school. He came to the orphanage. That we, Christians, are to help the needy, poor, and the orphan. He wants to become, due to NLCC's help, the solution to that problem. He hopes to see the orphans here become prosperous, to be able to protect their children and grandchildren. All of this is because of the help he and the other orphans have been given. It is his hope to stay on the righteous path. This is Jackson. Jackson is 17 and has been at NLCC nine years. He is in high school. He too was thankful for the education, which he had not had before the orphanage, for also his food and clothing. He has seen changes over the years at the orphanage and said, we used to go to find water from the river, but now we have water pumped to us. We don't struggle and have to go to the river anymore. NLCC received water in 2020 and electricity about a year before that. My favorite part is when different friends come from the USA, said Jackson. If I wasn't here, I think my life would have been difficult out there. Before I came, I started stealing people's things so that I could get food. I want to thank you for your support. I thank God that I have this chance. After many days, the mission trip had to leave. For some, it was difficult and the boys never want to see them go. What happened during this party? Let's listen. <laughs> when we left, when we were leaving the orphanage, 
that um, it was it was hard. It was sad. I didn't want to go to be able to go that far away. I kind of wanted to stay a little longer. <laughs> or I certainly thought, I'm going to come back here. <laughs> I need to come back here another time. You learn to appreciate what we have. And you would hope that someday they could have some of the things we have. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but it's, it does. It changes your thought of what's going on in our world. It really does. We always go thinking that we're going to help them and make a difference in their life. But in reality, when you look at it, they're making a change in our lives. They really make a change in your life. And you realize that, yes, we have a lot more than they do, and boy, we sure could live without a lot that we do have. Now, the mission team is at home in Wisconsin. I know from experience, the boys will never forget them. However, I think you will agree the mission team is changed forever too. NLCC is a special place. In fact, some people return. We have one man, Don Bostoman, who just finished his eighth trip. He has been so impressed by the Kenyans that he has taught himself Swahili. Now, no one expects that of anyone else. Done is just unusual. However, going once is a life changer. Consider, is God calling you to go? Of course, every organization needs funds. Giving over the years has caused this orphanage to go from no running water or electricity to Wi-Fi and clean water. Thank you for joining us to hear our story. God bless you all. that um, it gives you a little more evidence of what we do these are real people they have real needs and you helped a lot I can answer a few questions if you like now or if you want to ask me personally after the service is over that's fine while you're thinking about questions I'm going to introduce a couple friends of mine who are fellow travelers Steve Hollenbeck and Gail Wagula. Gail has been to their, uh, NLCC twice and is going again in December. And Steve is, um, was with us and did a lot of photography two or three trips ago. We appreciate his support too. And of course, my other adoptive son, Elias, is sitting with Rosemary. His family couldn't come today. <laughs> you, you will remember that we were praying fervently for Ruth, his fiance, now it was his wife, to come, and she gave birth a month ago. So we have now a granddaughter here. They live in Appleton, and it was a tough night for mom and child. So <laughs> Elias managed to get, get here today. So questions at all?
right. That's yes. Go ahead. Back. Mike first. It is. It was a long layover in the Middle East uh, because we went on Emirates. It, Emirates is a uh, was the least expensive airline we could get to save money, and so we had a long layover, um, seven eight hours in one in uh, that airport, and so we left here on one day and arrived two days later. So that tells you how long it was. And, uh, but it was like, we left in the afternoon, and then we arrived two days later in the morning. So it was probably around 30 hours. That's a little bit extreme for me. When we, we are, depending on the connections, okay. There are states schools there and then there are private schools what we uh, do through the NLCC orphanage board here we send money so that they can go to the the nearest school uh, there is a tuition involved there but it's lower uh, they have to pay for books and things like that then if you uh, if you have money and you live in Kenya you can send your son or daughter to a more expensive school where they will get hopefully better teachers and, and more discipline. Um, they walk to school. It's about two miles to walk there. And they walk, and sometimes they try to get back for lunch and go back again <laughs> within a half an hour. It, it's funny. They, where they have to go up and down hills and run. So often the, the team gets up at, and leaves at 6 o'clock in the morning to walk with them and that's a long trek for weary travelers, right, Gail? <laughs> so. Ira. Well, that's in in Kenyan scholarship fund helps those who have aged out or graduated out of the orphanage. They take exams once they get through high school. Their exam score allows them to sometimes be sponsored into university as one boy has been. And we have one boy, we're helping him with his room and food and all the other things that he needs to go to school and the university, and he wants to be in the medical field. So there's a lot of us who are pulling for him. The others who don't get good scores go to trade school, and they learn very lucrative careers. They have uh, like electricians and plumbers and and um, uh, tool and die making. They call it mechanical engineering, but it's tool and die making. And they are uh, taught in Kisi. None of them live at the orphanage any longer because they're not orphans and they got the boot out the door. <laughs> so for that reason, KSF was formed to help them in that transitional period. We provide their educational needs, their food, their uh, pocket money, and 
We also have hired a mentor, a pastor who watches over them, helps them navigate that you know, somewhat treacherous path from being in an institution all your life to being independent. And so uh, we pay for that uh, through KSF. Yes, Steve. Remember Abel, yes. Well, Abel is a, a non-orphan who came to the clinic who had uh, ulcers on his butt and ankle and he had uh, spina bifida. He could not walk. Um, so over several years, we've known him. He needed help medically, and we got him me medical help. We got him evaluated. Did he need any other treatment for his spina bifida? Spina bifida? There was no treatment needed or could be even given. And we healed up ulcers that we could be, and then other ulcers because he was dragging himself on the ground, just wouldn't heal. So um, we got him a wheelchair, and then we found out he'd never been to school. Now, he's about two uh, in second grade, and he'd never been to school. And the reason was is that he would have to go to a school for disabled people. Regular schools, like the ones that they walked to, wouldn't do it. So we had to get him enrolled in a school, and that would be a boarding school. So he had to be taken away from his parents to there. Now, they, he, get, he goes and visits his parents. His parents can go and visit him. That's okay. But he's finally in a place where he gets education, good food, and also he gets treatment when he needs it for his ulcers. All... That's right. So one lady, a nurse, says, why wouldn't they do this? This is their heart. So she had compassion. She said, this is something I can do. And she and her family are sponsoring Abel. Um, it was, it's a long story, but she's been to Kenya three times. And it was her second trip there while we were serving there that her father died. He was in his 90s, and the legacy of that man was big into missions, but she felt that the, the inheritance she received would go to this boy to sponsor him for his medical care and his education. So, again, going to Kenya changes. So, for remaining faithful and true, Thank you for being branches that have yielded, yielded fruit, the glory of God and the joy of Jesus. Thank you that you demonstrate Christ's love by loving each other and the needy in Africa. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen. Can we show our appreciation, Dr. Nelson? We're going to conclude our service. I'm going to have you stand, and we're just going to sing one final song, and then we'll pray, and then we'll be on our way. We're going to sing the song, Great Are You, Lord.
your breath in our lungs so 
God, what a privilege it is to come and join together as a church family and to lift up praise and worship to you. God, you are holy and you are mighty. Lord, remind us as we leave this place, first of all, to give of our tithes and our offerings. Thank you for the privilege we have to give to you. And Lord, may it provide and do awesome things through this church as we give of our tithes and our offerings. And then, Lord, as we go our separate ways, remind us to live our life as a life of worship. Whatever we say and whatever we do this week, God, may we, may we know you are calling us to worship you. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.